start somewhere. It has to start sometime. What better place than here? What better time than now? Hello, and welcome to Banned Books Conversations, where radical readers discuss prohibited prose. I'm your host, Tanya Todd. Banned books are literary works that have been removed from a library shelf or school curriculum over the course of Banned Books Week. This series will cover seven different books, the reasons they were banned, and the value in reading them. This is actually the last book in the series. Today's book is a classic written by Toni Morrison, arguably one of the greatest authors of our time. According to American Library Association, her works are regularly included among lists of the most challenged books in history. What we're doing isn't so much a discourse on Morrison or even a book review. The goal here is to have a panel conversation about her novel, Beloved, as a banned book. And before we get to that, let's meet today's radical readers. Karen, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? Okay, so I'm Karen, a.k.a. Katie Bond. Um, in a former life, I was uh, an educator, 36 years of that, um, and my subject was English, um, which partly explains why I'm here today, because I taught Beloved in high school. Um, uh, I also now in my current life write romance novels, um, and I am a grandma of uh, a, a little Japanese Jamaican child whom I have yet to meet. She'll be five in March and I, she's in Japan and I am here. <laughs> um, I have four children and a fur baby um, and a husband who is still in education. Uh, what else should you know about me? Um, I love writing love stories because I think those are the most important stories to tell because they're about people. Um, and it's the, the people who drive the stories um, and who make the readers learn things about themselves, about the world, about each other. Um, you don't get that from sci-fi and war stories, which I also love, but it's not the same thing. Um, that's why I write love stories. That's me. And Ada? Hi, I'm Ada McCartney. Um, I am a poet, performer, teaching artist. Um, I am here. Um, because I've read Beloved a few times as an adult. It wasn't taught in my high school. I grew up in a pretty rural community where a lot of books, um, that a lot of books weren't on the shelves and I discovered um, as I got older. And um, I'm thinking about what you said about uh, love stories being stories about people, Karen. And um I'm really moved by that. And it's uh, it makes me think about why I write poetry. Um, and I I thought for a similar, you, you said it so beautifully, but um, I think about how poems, um, they get at the feeling of things. And when we're thinking 
we're inhabiting the ideas of other people, the ideas of the world, but a novel, a poem, um, a piece of art has the power to transcend all of the stories and the thoughts and sink in and touch the feelings and the core and the emotions. And, um, and that's where, that's where we're affected and have the capacity to make change. That's why I'm here and what I do. (laughs) How about you, Karen? She kind of mentioned why she's participating in Van Brooks conversations, but what prompted you to be a part of the series? Well, you're talking about Beloved, which I taught to 12th graders um, in my last high school, because part of the thing that I wanted to do was not so much talk about slavery and empowerment of women, but to introduce students to difficult text. And by difficult, I don't mean hard to read like Beowulf, which I also <laughs> taught them, by the way. <laughs> um, but difficult because those very subjects that are raised in the book are subjects that I think uh, young people need to start thinking about before they go to college. Um, And also it gave me an opportunity to help them begin to address what they think, to have those meta conversations about what they think um, in in an environment where they're not being expected to say, I think this, or I think that, because my, my parents think it, or because my instruction to them always was, I have my opinions and I may disagree with you, but that doesn't make your opinion any less valid. And you need to be brave enough to speak it. So for me, Beloved provided that kind of opportunity. So when you said you wanted to talk about Beloved, I was like, sure. Plus I haven't taught in, seven years. I retired in June 2015. And so I haven't taught anything literary or otherwise. Um, And I love teaching. Uh, I will always be a teacher, even though I haven't taught anybody in a while. So to get to talk about a book that I taught um, and that I loved, and I met Toni Morrison and I was at Bard College for, we, we spent a whole week studying Beloved. And then she came on the Saturday morning, the last day, and we had this wonderful conversation with this woman. Um, I just needed to participate even briefly in whatever happens today. And I I wanted to find the book. We got a big, thick book with all the beloved stuff. And I wanted to find it to show it to you. But all my bookshelves and things are packed up against each other because of the work that I told you was being done. So it's back there somewhere and I can't get to it or I would show you. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> so that's so why have, I'm here. Have either one of you ever been offended by a book? Okay, so I'm going to speak first only because um, for me, I, I read the question before and I thought to myself, the only thing that offends me about books is when they're poorly written. <laughs> <laughs> you are not the first to answer that way. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's an and author's myself, response. <laughs> right. It's just I, I, part of that is it's just the English teacher in me that reads it and goes, really, really? <laughs> um, I find it offensive that enough care isn't taken, particularly in fiction, which is not um, best 
pleasing to a lot of people. They prefer nonfiction, the seriousness and, uh, and the weight of nonfiction. So if you're going to write a story that you want to be taken seriously, fix the stuff before you put it out there. Don't send out stuff that's going to make me puke. Um, <laughs> and it's not your just... audience. <laughs> exactly. Have a little respect for me, you know? Mm. Um, I, I know I'm the grammar police. Get over it. But if you, if you didn't do stuff to make me take off my, put on my cop hat, then I wouldn't. So that really is honestly, and it not, which is not to say that I haven't read stuff that is personally offensive in terms of my, the way I was raised or my personal beliefs. I'm not saying that at all. That would be disingenuous of me. But I am saying that that was your initial response. Matter. Yeah, they don't, you know, if it bothers me that much, I stop reading it. You know, there's no reason for me to allow that offense to become something that makes me want to get rid of the book. Other people like it. I just How about you, Ada? Have you ever been offended by a book? <laughs> uh, your answer is so perfect. But all I could think is grammar exists for a reason. Um, I would. The only thing I could think of when I read that question was this book. I'm not going to tell you the title because it's a book about Detroit. It's a piece of fiction that I really want to love with a fabulous premise. I started reading it and two chapters in, it's so badly written that I, I was like, how, how did this get published? Who did not come back to this author and like say, I'm invested in this concept. Let me help you. And just like <laughs> that, they just put it out there. And so yeah, I don't even I don't even think I can finish it. But um but similarly, uh that bothers me more than coming across an idea or uh something like a something I don't agree with in a text. Um I have no problem turning a movie off, putting a book down, saying this, you know, this isn't for me. Um there's uh this real to life. I, I gravitate more toward fiction than nonfiction. And a friend really thought I should read this true to life story about like a um, an animal that takes revenge on a village. And I thought, okay, you know, that's, that's beyond my threshold for violence, but I'm, but I think it's probably a wonderful book. It sounds great to, to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send it your way. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so have I have I been personally put off? Yes. Offended to the point of wanting something to not exist in the world? No. No. And that brings us to our next question. Are there valid reasons to ban books? Karen. You know, that's one of those questions that prompts me to think about people who say they say so and so and in my head I'm going or sometimes I say out loud who's they the committee of um, they <laughs> because the reasons that you may have for why this book whatever um, should not be on bookshelves may be the very reasons why I think it should so who decides what's valid and what makes it okay for some people to put themselves in a position to arbitrate what's valid, what's a valid reason for saying this book can't exist? I've spent 
this much time writing this book, it is the it is the child of my heart. Um, and it has offensive, in quotation marks, uh, material. But the idea of art is to make you think, is to make you sit up and pay attention. Um, and, you know, if you live in the world, everything at some point or another is going to be offensive. So why are you trying to hide that by banning a book? There, I don't see any valid reason. I, I don't understand what prompts people to say this book is fine, but this book is not. Because you know what? If we're going to go there, I'm, I'm a preacher's kid um, struggling with my Christian faith. But if we're going to go there, maybe we should ban the Bible. Because it's got a lot of really, 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 really shitty stuff in it. I don't oh, hear I anybody saying that happened. So yeah, I don't hear anybody. A, a saying group banish. caused an uproar, and they wanted every book that has ever been challenged to be removed. And guess what? The number one challenged book was done. <laughs> but I, still... I too am a Christian, and it was like, yeah, well, you deserve that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know, and and but it's still, you know, they've challenged it, but has it been removed from bookshelves? It's still around. Why? And so. If it's okay for that book to remain, to be challenged, but remain, leave the rest of them alone. That's just mm. me. <laughs> like I said, you don't have to read it. You don't have to buy it. There are lots of other people who will make that author a pretty penny. You don't have to participate. I second that emotion. There is no reason <laughs> whatsoever that a book should be banned. Who gets to ban that book? Why is it banned? Who is it banned? Who's banned from reading it? And where is the line? Um, and who there's, determines there's that line? Nonsense. That's my and, by the way, how dare you tell me what I can and cannot read? Right? Mm-hmm. Who made you the arbiter of my choices? But you know, it's that same mentality that that um, is prevalent in the anti-gay or anti-queer movement. It's that same mentality that says. Mm-hmm. Because it's not this thing that we're accustomed to or that we're comfortable with, it must be wrong. No. Banned books. I disagree. Return. Yeah, I disagree. Mm. So what do you think can be learned from reading a book with content that people that some people find offensive or worthy of banning? Just in general, not specifically this book. Just in general, okay. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my whole. So I'm I'm gonna tell you how old I am because I don't care. <laughs> I'll be 64 on Halloween, okay. And I was born in Jamaica, uh, and Jamaica is not a queer tolerant country, okay. Um, but when I was growing up, there were never really any conversations about gay men or women never it, it was never talked about it never was addressed in church it was never talked about in my house it wasn't talked about in school it wasn't talked about in society every now and again you would hear somebody talk about burning the batman that's what they called gay men um but that would be sort of out there in the wind it wasn't it wasn't in focus And then I came to the United States. I was 30 years old when I came to this country. And the AIDS epidemic was just beginning to explode. 
And there was all this backlash against gay men because they were the reason. Like, I don't, I mean, now I don't understand how we got from AIDS to gay. Like, I, I don't get it. And I mean, I get it that they were the ones who were suffering a lot from it, but I still didn't get why it was that if it wasn't the black folk and the, and the monkeys from Africa, then it was the gay men. It was just weird to me. But at the time, having never had a conversation with anyone or never had having thought about gay men and, uh, and lesbians and that whole lifestyle, I used to be afraid to leave my sons, I had two little boys, to leave my sons alone with men, whether they were straight or because I was so afraid they were going to attack my children. And then I read my first gay romance novel. See what I told you about romances? <laughs> I read my first gay romance novel and I read it because I was curious. I was like, you know, I don't even know what's, what is this about? Let me, let me just read this thing. Cause I, how else am I going to find out something from a perspective that is other than anti uh, gays and lesbians? So I read this gay romance novel and I was like, oh damn, it's just two people. It's just two people. It's just two people. And then I read. I, so are I you saying reading that reading a book about people who are different from you helped you to understand that they are the very similar are to you? Absolutely. And in fact, are and you then, saying you sought absolutely. out something offensive because yeah. you were curious? Because I was curious. <laughs> you know, at the and end of the day, something? <laughs> at the end of the day, my uh, my major is English literature. You know, and the reason it is, is because how else am I going to get to talk about stuff that doesn't get talked about anywhere else? Certainly not in the math and science classes, because they're <laughs> all about the facts, people. Let's talk about the facts as though there is nothing outside of factuality. So anyway, um, and then I read this first book by Tal Bauer. I, I love him. Y'all should, if you like gay romances, read Tal Bauer. I love that man he writes and the first book of his that i read or the second book was the first in his series um enemies of the state and it's about the president of the united states who discovers that he's pansexual not that sorry that he's demisexual and his detail lead his secret service detail lead who is gay who falls in love with him and who introduces the president to a whole this man is a widower by the way introduces him to a whole new way of looking at love. But in that book, I also learned some facts because Tal was, is able to introduce important historical information. And I read the book and I was like, really? Oh shit, I didn't know that. Oh my God, I didn't know. It's a, it's a, and at that point I was like, and these guys, I love them. I love Ethan. He is fabulous. I just love him. And I love Jack. That's the president. He is great. I just So, you know, I have read everything Tal has ever written, except he's written one story that's a horror story that I won't read because I don't read horror. My <laughs> point is this. I learned over, the, I've learned over the course of the last almost 34 years that there's a lot of stuff that was never taught to me where I came from. And that if I want to become more of the kind of person I need to be, I have to open myself to stuff that's scary, unfamiliar, 
maybe even offensive, because how else am I going to be able to ask the questions which will lead me to answers to help me figure out what I think? It's what I want my kids to do. So why wouldn't I do it? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, there's a lot that can be learned by reading stuff that's offensive. (laughs) What do you have to add to that, Ada? As you say, I'm thinking that reading, reading things that you may be offended by is one way to uh what's the phrase you talk the walk or you walk you walk uh walk, walk the, the talk, talk. Mm-hmm. um i'm i'm so taken with this uh story that you were initially scared to leave your son with gay men but then read a romance about two gay men sought it out because you were curious and willing to have your perspective changed and had a whole paradigm shift about it. And I've totally lost the thread of the initial question. Because you're, <laughs> you're, you wowed her, Karen. <laughs> it's true. Um, I mean, I think, I think the lesson that I'm taking from this is keep reading, keep reading things, have questions, read things, especially things that might be challenging or offensive or difficult. Um, that's what I have to add to that. In a sense, it arms you to back up your opinion, or it challenges your opinion, because now you have information that is contrary to that. But if you don't read the material, how can you, how can you form that opinion? Exactly. I'm curious about you. What's your, what are your thoughts, Tanya? Well, very much like what Karen was saying, but, you know, I'm someone who is always pushing for diversity and inclusion. And one of the ways that you do that is by reading outside of your identity. You want to read about people who are different from you so that you can understand their experience better. And maybe they won't seem so other to you because you will recognize what you have in common with them. And Mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of people don't do that. And the fact that she used that specific example, that just backs up everything that I feel. So thank you for validating me, Karen. <laughs> and you know why you know why people don't do that though? Because they're scared. Yeah, I understand that, but I think and, we're all scared in situations very, and you have to overcome that fear. Yeah, and fear is such a hard, and the older you get, is the harder it is to let go of your fears. And I'm speaking from experience. The older you get, which is why I'm so grateful that I figured that out before I got to this age. (laughs) Because some people can be very set in their ways, right? Yeah. It just is hard because, you know, what if I let this go and there's nothing to hold me? I'm going to crash and burn. And when you get to my age, crashing and burning is not. um, (laughs) I don't I don't need to be crashing and burning. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I find that very hard. Go ahead. Oh, I, I find that very heartening. Occasionally, I worry that I'll forget that as I grow older, I'll forget, um, forget to about that and sort of give in to the fear. And I'm, I'm very heartened <laughs> by what you're saying. <laughs> no, I have to fight against the fear. I'm constantly I went to Jamaica on a plane. I'm scared of planes. OK, I'm going to tell you that up front. And granted, I had to go. My father in law was being buried. But now I'm like, maybe I should go back. <laughs> You have to conquer the. I have to get over it. If get I want to live a whole life, right? Got to get over it. And I think the other thing that has come up repeatedly during these conversations is that word conversations. If you don't read the material, 
Or, hey, let's say you don't want your child to read the material. Read it first or read it with them. Have the conversation. Answer those questions that Mm -hmm. will come up. They're going to find out about this stuff. So maybe you would be the best person to go through it with them rather than say, nope, I just want them shielded from all information outside of this. And I just shared, you just reminded me of something. (laughs) Middle Passage by Charles Johnson. Do you know that book? I don't. Okay. I think it was a banned book too, actually, if I'm not mistaken. It is about, it's the story of a freed slave in New Orleans who trying to escape from um, somebody whom he owes money, um, stows away on a ship going back to Africa to pick up slaves. So he does the middle passage twice, going and coming back. And there are, there's an instance of buggery, that's what it was called in the story between the cabin boy and the captain. Um, and then there's, there are all the atrocities that happen to the African slaves in the hold of the ship on the way back. And I had a parent of, of a, a really lovely girl in 12th grade. I taught the book in 12th grade. And I had these parents who were like, we can't have her reading this book because there's sex in it, explicit sexual. Um, and I was like, so I wrote this long letter in which I said, you know, she's going to go to college after this. And you can't tell the professor what to teach. Are you going to, is she going to withdraw from a class she needs because there'll be material in there that's offensive to you? Why don't you read the book with her? No, no, they don't want to do that. So I was like, okay, you know what? Since I'm not going to change the book, because my name is Karen Bonnick, you're not going to tell me how to run my class. Here's what (laughs) I will do for you. I'm going to read all the way through it. Every time we get to sex, I'll go, okay, when she gets to this part on this page, skip. Go to that part on that page. So, and that's what I did. You know she read it. And yeah, you know she read it because she was told not me. to. You're not reading the book with your daughter. Are you going to sit over her while she's doing her English homework to make sure she doesn't read the parts I told you to cut out? Come on now. I don't <laughs> know how parents think they can help their children grow as human beings if they hide stuff from them. And if they do choose to hide something from them, let it be your child. Hide it from your child. You don't have the right to remove it from everyone else's child. Exactly. Uh, Absolutely not. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean other people won't. So you do your job. Keep yeah. it from your kid if that's what you think the right course of action is. And, and you're entitled to that. that. And let's but pray that she never tell ever me. meets a situation like that where she has to figure out how to deal with it. Because, you know, maybe if she had been allowed to talk about it in Mrs. Bonick's English class, but she can't talk about it because you didn't let her read it. Right. And you know, that that reminds me, like, what fiction is such a good sort of experiment ground like a it's a place to have those safe conversations with yourself to really sit with those questions so what happens in real life when you haven't been allowed to read these books you haven't been allowed to have these conversations with yourself to sit with these questions and you're faced with sex in real life (laughs) (laughs) i've never heard of anything like this yeah because you were so sheltered that you missed out on all that stuff Good I'm, Lord. I'm not saying you shouldn't shelter your children. It's definitely your right to decide when and what to expose them to. But you don't get to choose for an entire 
school. It just doesn't make sense to me that you would decide for an entire school or an entire library. An entire reading nation. You're going to tell them you can't have this book. Mm -mm. Come on now. So now I do want to get to today's book. And this book is just so beautifully written that, you know, you read it and you're, as an author, you're just, wow, I just never, I'm never going to get to this point. (laughs) But you, you still, you put it inside of you so that you have these thoughts and these feelings and this magic inside of you so that you can help, hope that it will just touch a piece of your writing even though you know we're just we just aren't as gifted as Toni Morrison. No, we're not. But I mean, they're banning Toni Morrison's book. She's a Pulitzer Prize-winning author. This book in, in particular was won the Pulitzer Prize. It's based on the truth story of Margaret Garner, an enslaved mm-hmm. African American woman who killed her child to spare them a life of slavery. Now. I'm reading another book called Homegoing right now. And that very practice happens in the book. Like it's it's referenced in that book that that is a common thing that people did not want their children to have to live as slaves and death was a kinder alternative, they thought. So for that to be a reason that people would ban this book, maybe look at the truth of history for one. For years, Beloved has been challenged for racial themes, for sexual content, passages about ghosts, depictions of bestiality, rape, and an infant's groups and murder, which we just discussed. Wikipedia says it's banned in five U.S. schools. According to Weebly.com, it, it wasn't until 20 years ago, I'm sorry, it wasn't until 20 years after Beloved's publication that the novel was first banned. And it was removed from AP English classes at Eastern High School in Louisville, Kentucky. After two parents complained that the book discussed inappropriate parts about the antebellum slavery. (laughs) So it's been challenged for years and years and years, but this is the thing that got it actually banned. So two two parents is what got this book banned. Right. Because we don't want to talk about slavery. Well, I'm here to tell you it happened. (laughs) (laughs) So, Ada, how many times have you read Beloved? And what was your initial reader reaction? I think I'm on maybe four. Unless you count, I I just had my first listening experience um, where I listened to Toni Morrison read it. That absolutely counts. You can't say it's only reading if you have... A physical book because that means that if you're blind it doesn't you know true you can't read books you know um don't be so, so ableist data that's hilarious <laughs> I'm, <just kidding. laughs> I'm a legally blind ableist it's true <laughs> um beloved um I didn't read this until I was an adult um I would say maybe even within the last eight or ten years Um, I first checked it out from the library on like a, wow, I can't believe I haven't read more Toni Morrison. Let me take this book home. And then I checked it out again. And then I checked it out one more time. And then I finally bought it because I was itching to, um, to, uh, write in the margins and sort of make the notes and really kind of live with it. Um, and the reason that I keep coming back to, well, there are lots of reasons, but 
the relationship, the way that relationships are written, the way that these um, characters are voiced and kind of by the time we get to hearing Beloved's voice in her own chapters, um, I feel like every time I get to that point, it's eviscerating in the in the most lovely ways possible and the way the kind of prose breaks down into into poetic line and then is sort of reconfigured and and it's just um I feel like I learn 10 things every time I read it and then I I have to go back um not to mention it's a, a beautiful love story um not love in in many senses the love of a woman for herself the romance between um, Paul D and Sethi and the mother-daughter love, sisterly love. Um, yeah. Beloved. And how about you, Karen? How many times have you read it and what was your initial reader reaction? Um, I was just trying to find, I have, I used to give my students reading tests on every book that mm-hmm. I'm studying, but what the Mac does is when you open it, it changes the date. So, so I, can't <laughs> I gave the reading test. Um, but I'm sure I haven't read. I have been a very bad English teacher. And, and from the day I retired until now, I haven't read anything serious. That's um, reasonable. Um, so before 2015, I feel like I may have taught Beloved two or three times to my either my senior classes or my AP classes. If I didn't uh, if I didn't have an AP class, then it was just a regular senior class. So I would say two or three times. Um, And then, of course, there was that wonderful week up at Bard College where all we did was Beloved for a whole week. That's all we talked about was Beloved. Um, so that would be four times <laughs> at least. And what was your initial reaction? Um, I was floored uh, because now remember, if I was reading that in the in the late, let's see, I started at that school in 1999. So okay, so I was reading Beloved in the early 2000s. I was in my 40s at that point. So the first time I read Beloved, I was 40 something years old. Um, And I don't know that if I were still living in Jamaica, we would even have access, unless I were teaching an American literature course Mm -hmm. where that showed up, I probably wouldn't have read it then either. So I needed to be here in order to to choose Beloved as a book. And it it was mind blowing. Um, and powerful and frightening and heartbreaking um, and empowering. And it was all of those things all at once the very first time I read it. And so that the next time I taught it to my students, a lot of the stuff that I didn't know the first time around informed how I taught them the second time. Mm-hmm. Because now I have I had all of those emotional responses to help drive the questions that came to me while I was reading so I could ask them those questions or I could make it so a 17-year-old could figure out some answers to those 40-something-year-old questions, you know? So, yeah, it was, it was, I, I loved it because it was so complicated. And do either of you remember the 
the exact reason you chose to read this specific book? Because she has many books, but why why did you choose this one? Um, I was always up for expanding the curriculum for seniors, even though um, in the school where I worked before I was stripped of my uh, position, <laughs> well, he did everything, but he still had to pay me the assistant principal salary. Um, I made sure that students in 12th grade, even though that was the Brit lit year, I made sure that they could read Beloved as an independent reading text. Mm. I didn't think 11th graders were ready for it. Mm -mm. So I made it that it was an independent reading text that they would read over the summer. And the way it worked was it was the summer reading task with questions and all the rest of things that they had to do. And then when they came back to school in September, we spent two weeks, three weeks teaching the summer reading assignment to them because there were some kids who we knew were not going to do the summer reading. So this was our way to get them to read it and do the work so they can get the grade that they need to get for the summer. Um, and so even though 12th grade was technically Brit lit, Beloved always got taught at the beginning. And if it didn't get taught as a summer reading, I assigned it as an independent reading task that they had to read. And then we would go through it because I wanted them to have difficult texts. I didn't want it to be all easy stuff. Right, because they need to learn to challenge themselves, right? <laughs> yeah, they needed to be challenged. And that was my job. That's the teacher's job is to challenge students. So that's why. And how about you, Ada? Um, I, on the library shelf, there of the Toni Morrison books that were there that I hadn't read, I was scanning the descriptions. I saw mother-daughter story, ghost story, Cincinnati Midwest and I was like okay this is it this is the one um, <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what I was I was in for such a whole soul eviscerating empowering experience um but I'm I'm glad it was the right book to come come into my hands at that moment you you say that about this book so then what triggered people to challenge and ban it because it is everything you just said so why, why would, what are the scenes in this that people are objecting to enough that they think it should be pulled from the shelves? There was a, um, I forget where the, the quote was, but the, I, the, it was, it was basically that social justice is learning is, um, considering oppression from the side of the oppressed. And I think thinking about those two parents that challenged it because of the antebellum slave um essence of the story it makes me wonder if one of the seeds of the banning is how masterfully it tells the story of oppression and offers the that a perspective on it from the side of the oppressed um but i don't want to i as that comes out i feel like it's almost reductionist because it's not it's not necessarily a story about oppressor oppression. I mean, it is right. what story. It's just it happened to take place in a situation where if you didn't mention it, it doesn't feel true. But that's mm -hmm. not the story. Um, 
it's the context. And I think, I don't know. I wonder if the it's banned on the context. What about you? Also, incest, um, rape, incest, bestiality. I feel like a lot of people have a hard time sitting with those subjects. I, I, I was going to say that every part of the book that touches a touchy subject, like rape, <laughs> like incest, like bestiality, like the supernatural and that whole ghost thing. Um, um, and also the, the I'm going to sound very academic now, the question of femaleness. <laughs> um, those are uncomfortable things for the people who run things to deal with. They're uncomfortable subjects. Um, there are subjects that no one wants to address uh, because, first of all, while there are answers, there are more questions than answers. And human beings don't like questions. We don't like questions because that's unsettling. We want answers. And if you're going to, if you're going to uh, teach a book that raises more questions than you have answers for, why are you going to do it? It 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 just that that illustrates your ineffectiveness, your inability to control anything, and that's another thing. Human beings like to be to think we are in control when, in actual <laughs> fact, we are in control of Jack. We control nothing. Science and math would like you to think we control stuff. They're full of it. A book like Beloved shows you we have no control over anything. Science and math help you understand what it is that we don't control. Exactly. <laughs> and, and it shows you that we do our best. She was trying to protect her child. But what she did in our world is infanticide, which is an ugly thing. How do you, how do we manage that kind of knowledge? It's hard. So what? everything that, that makes people go mm, is what triggers them and, and makes them go, this can't be a book anybody reads because, oh my God. Because I don't like the way it makes me feel. I don't like how it makes me feel. I don't like that it makes that it shows me up to be an ineffective and and um and out an out of control human being who cannot solve the mysteries of life. There's a moment in Beloved where Paul D is describing the um captors in Georgia and he's talking about how without their guns even a vixen would laugh at them. And I think something about the way the beautiful truth and how he's describing these men's impotence and their compulsion to wield violence as a response to their impetus impotence is probably very intimidating and i think that on upon a full read of beloved you find a super like radical social justice oriented community response to this ultimately like i mean there's 18 years of kind of exile and and baloney but 
once Denver steps out and asks for help, the community is like, oh, we're here for you. We got you. We're going to we're going to come together on this and like um, and kind of make it whole for everybody, all the stakeholders in the community as best we can. Um, And so I think I think that's one of the most important things about the story, kind of the the holding of the events that happen within it. And, you know, when I, when sorry, I offered... to get back to that femaleness, um, it's written by a woman and it's about a woman. And about many I'm women gonna, and about many. And I'm, I'm going to use another one of these academic words. The patriarchy don't like none, that none at all. So. <laughs> this is why I can't finish my Ph.D. I make too much fun of them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's what the Ph.D. needs more of. <laughs> so at the time that I mentioned these conversations to you and I offered you guys the list of choices, all of your, like bo- both of you were really just so passionate in your words about this particular book. And Karen, you just started saying, you know, I taught this book and I have so many things to say on it. So I want to know why is beloved beloved by you? Why do you think it's important to keep this book in particular available to the public? Because for the same reason that I will always read Tal Bauer's books. Because it's it's a difficult book because the 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 things that are in there are scary things and they're disgusting things and they're frightening things and they're enraging things but if we don't keep it in the public eye we will forget and we must never forget that's why that needs to stay that's why i love it because it stops me from forgetting i cannot not remember and i cannot not respond and that's the whole point of reading is to get you to respond to get you, because then when you're responding, you're growing. If, if you're enraged, that's fine. It's okay to get mad because you know what? If you don't get mad, you can't do anything. You cannot be an agent for change of any kind if you're not having some kind of passionate response. And there's no way you can read Beloved and not have a passionate response to something. Amen to that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's why I love it. I could talk like this. I could preach like my daddy used to preach. what about you ada why is beloved beloved to you um i'm here for that preaching all of it and um beloved is beloved to me because it's hard and because because it's beautiful and it's a it's a womany story a it's a it's about the womaniest story that I know of at this moment. And, it's a word. Um, <laughs> it is now. Absolutely. And go ahead uh, and be Shakespeare girl. Right. You know, <laughs> it's um especially and I'm thinking about this like national moment that we're having where Ro- Roe v. Wade is overturned. There are conversations in schools where uh, teacher friends who work at this that I that I know are literally telling me they can't 
teach the unit on slavery they've been teaching for the last 20 years um, and keep their jobs or um, or not face scarier consequences um, in small towns where, you know. Um, but And I just think this book, reading this book is, I don't know, one of the fullest acts of resistance to those two realities that I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in addition to all of the other forms of um, resistance, but but Beloved addresses both and um, it feels timeless in the telling of these relationships, in the romance, in um, in the in in the memory. It's that's why it's Beloved to me. And separate from all of that, which is completely valid and everything Karen said, it's just a gorgeous piece of art. It just is. Even if you're only reading it for the prose and not because of these difficult topics, you just, you learn so much about beauty in the world. She just has a way to put things together and have it just get under your skin and tingle and just fill you. It's a, this last reading made me think, you know, maybe I will just spend next year reading all of her books, all of her stuff, just a year of Morrison. And I'm seriously considering that. I am hoping that someone has already put out like a, a, a reading schedule so I don't have to figure out how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it just sounds like a magical year to to read her prose every month. Even if you've read some of it already, it's just there are too many that I have not read. And yeah, it's difficult, but it's worth it. It is so worth it. I'm so here for a year of Toni Morrison. Is that also going to be a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> That's not the plan, but you never know. So last question. Overall, why do you recommend Beloved? What do you hope people will gain from reading it? Hmm. We'll go with Ada first. Uh, yeah, Ada should go first. I hope, I recommend Beloved for all of the reasons that we have already stated and um, for the rich potential of questions and and sentences and, and characters to sit with. These aren't characters that you read and forget. Um, and I think that often, at least for me, reading fiction is like a super safe way to make new friends. And um, <laughs> and I feel like uh, the characters that we meet in Beloved um, are people that I'm gladder in my life. And um, I think that I'm a better person for having these characters in my life. And you will be, too. How about you, Karen? So I I would recommend Beloved. Um, for the story. By which I mean, it is a story about a woman. And the other women are with um, who surround her and her children and the men who make her life 
or who whose actions and decisions impact her decisions about how to live her life. Mm. So it's a story about women and fem femaleness. Um, and it needs to be read for that reason. Obviously, it's about slavery, although it's not a history book. It's not a, you know, it's not like going to read the history book. Um, but it is a story about slavery and about the realities of slavery for women um, that are not necessarily taught in school. Um, and as we know, there's a lot of history that um, <laughs> doesn't get told. Uh, and so Beloved needs to be read for that reason. And then if you want to do serious, serious reading, so you're not going to read my stories because <laughs> they're not serious. They're important. My stories are important because they're talking about love, but they're not serious in the same way that Beloved is serious. But if you want to read something serious, Beloved is a good place to start if you want to read literary fiction. Um, because Toni Morrison could write. And if you want to read quality work where you won't have to go grammar, all grammar police for, for starters, <laughs> but where but where in addition you can marvel at the poetry and the symmetry and the style of the writing, Beloved is the book to read. Um, and I'm not saying there aren't other books out there, but you can't go wrong with Beloved. <laughs> and I feel like if you choose to read Beloved, there's there there is enough there to to have you thinking about yourself as a woman if you're female, to have you thinking about yourself as a man if you're male. Um, and if you're honest about the things that the questions that it raises, hopefully what you'll gain from it is a better understanding of who you are. Um, and of how you can impact the world around you in not necessarily the cookie cutter ways that people expect because you're a black man or you're a white man or you're a black woman, but in ways that are significant for you as an individual, separate and apart from your race or your ethnicity or your gender. And that's what you gain, but you have to go in there with that open heart. Otherwise, you're going to miss it. Mm, love that. Well, thank you both for your wonderful input and just, you know, wrapping up this week with just a poetic bang. <laughs> I know that Toni Morrison definitely helped with that. Before we wrap up, Ada, tell people where people can find you and support your work. You can find me on the internet at www.aamccartney.com. That's A-A-M-C-C-A-R-T-N-E-Y. I'm also and on Twitter. But I don't use it as much. <laughs> Go to my website. How about you, Karen? I'm just going to, if I give you the link tree link, which means I have to spell it out, right? <laughs> um, so hold on while I try to spell it out. Here we go. Um, I knew that you were going to do that to me. Why are you going to do So my link tree link, which will send you everywhere. It'll send you to my Facebook page. Um, it'll send you to my blog. It'll send you to TikTok, which I haven't put anything on yet. Instagram. Um, I have a, a get right to it girls thing is a 
linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash K-D-J-B. And when you put that in, it'll take you to my linktree where you can, you can sign up for my newsletter. Everything you want to know about me is in that link. So it's linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash K-D-J-B. Very good. Your tree. Huh? You're a virtual tree. I'm yes. a virtual tree. <laughs> well, that's it for Banned Books Conversations. Again, I want to thank everyone who offered book suggestions, all of the amazing panelists I've had all week. Many thanks to J.P. Butler and Mike Burton for their assistance and support behind the scenes. Thank you to Tony Farina of Pop Gorillas, as well as Dave Horrocks and Comics in Motion for sharing the com- this content on their feeds. Thank you to marshall.edu for being such a great resource by listing the banned books and the reasons that they were banned and their challenge history. And to the audience, I'd love to hear your thoughts and your comments. If you have banned book recommendations or you just like the series and you want it to continue next year, I'd love to know that too. Thank you everyone for listening and participating. And as ever, thank you for reading. (laughs) 